episode number 33. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to have a Torah portion of the week, Chaisara, Living on the Edge Between Life and Death. A powerful parable about being cheap with nobility, a great story about a few great rabbis, and peace in your home, learn how to fight. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So this week's portion, the second passage, it starts out like this. Sarah died in Kiryat Arba, which is Chevron, in the land of Canaan. And Avraham came and eulogized Sarah to bewail her. So Rashi brings down, why is it called Kiryat Arba, the city of four? Because of the four couples that were buried there. Who was buried there? Adam and Eve, Avraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, and Yaakov and Leah. And we know that the Zohar states that the cave of the Machpelah is the entrance to Gan Eden. In other words, this is the place where heaven meets earth. So the Orachim explains that the reason why we mentioned Kiryat Arba, the city of four, was to remind us of the four basic elements. And he says that death normally implies departure from or disintegration of the four basic elements, which the body is composed of. As the body starts to break down, a person dies. And the verse says Kiryat Arba, which is Hebron. What's Hebron? Hebron comes from the word Chibur, connection. So he wants to say the message is that when the righteous die, it shouldn't be viewed as a process of disintegration. The righteous are still caught alive even when they cease to live in this world. In other words, Chibur, they're connected to heaven. When a righteous person dies, he goes to heaven. He's still alive. This the Chibur, Kirit Arba, which is the four elements, is connected, Chibur, to heaven. He continues and says, the four basic material elements that every human being is composed of becomes transformed into something spiritual and attaches themselves to their souls by the means of good deeds that a person performs during their time on the earth. And he brings the Rambam who says, when a man cleaves to God, all of his elements become transformed into the element of fire, which is connected up with the soul. In other words, the physical turns into fire, which turns into the soul, which becomes spiritual. Now we know that Avram bought the cave of the Machpelah from the Bnei Ches. And the Midrash Rabbah says like this, the Midrash Rabbah says that the ten times it mentions Bnei Ches in the Pesukim at the beginning of this week's Parsha are connected with the Ten Commandments. So the Mabim explains that Avram's goal in life was to disseminate religion among the people, the true religion. So the Bnei Ches and also the people of Canaan, they didn't believe in life after death which Avram knew is a foundation of this world. They had a totally materialistic view of the world. And they believed that once a person dies, that's it, it's over. So Avram, instead of being depressed by the fact that he couldn't find a burial place for his wife Sarah, said to himself, I'm going to use this opportunity to spread the truth among the people. So the Bnei Ches, they also had burial customs, but it was just practical stuff. A symbolic honoring of the dead and burying the dead because it protects the, the people from sickness. And the original graves they made were just temporary until the body rotted, then they would move the person to another place. And they didn't have any eye concept of a family burial plot, a chuzah's kever, because they couldn't understand why would you want to bury a family together? Once a person dies, it's all over. There's nothing to talk about. What's the difference? So they were refusing to sell him the land for him to bury his family. 
The thought of remaining with his family after death made no sense. So Avram pushed forward and said, the Pasuk says, I am a stranger and traveler among you. He was emphasizing that this world is only temporary. And therefore he offered them a large sum of money to show them that this little piece of land that you're buried on, that's the only thing you have. That's the only thing that's going to be left after you leave this world. He's willing to pay a lot of money for that little piece of land. And he was willing to pay a lot of money to have a family burial plot. Why? Because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe there will be a certain time where the dead will come back to life. So we want to be there as a family. And that's the Jewish idea of being buried in a family burial plot. So they saw how strong he was and how persistent he was and how much money he was put out for this. And he was under tremendous sorrow. His wife just passed away and still he's pushing forward with this idea of buying this family burial plot. This influenced the B'nai Ches like the Ten Commandments. Because just like the Ten Commandments is a concentrated form of the entire Torah, also the ten phrases where it mentioned B'nai Ches included Avram's methodology of communicating the fundamentals of Judaism. So it was like the Ten Commandments. So we see this idea that life after death is so fundamental to Judaism. Many Jews don't even know this. So Rav Miller from Gateshead brings the song Eishis Chayo from Proverbs that we sing every Shabbos. And there it says the Pasuk. All these Pesukim are talking about Sari Menu. This was the eulogy of Sari Menu. So it says there she planned the purchase of a field and bought it. This is talking about her burial place. But it's not true, yes. It was Avram that bought the field, not Sarah. Why do we attribute it to her that it was bought by her? So he wants to explain it was bought by her good deeds. Since we know that Hebron was the Chibor, the connection between heaven and earth, she bought that place through her good deeds. She was Zoche, she merited to be buried in that place. It was her perfect dedication of all of her earthly activities to do the will of God that it was Zocheher that gave her the merit to be buried in the cave in the Machpelah. What's Machpelah? Kaful, double. Double in the sense that it unites two worlds. Sarah lived a life on earth that was of such a spiritual level that it was connected to the next world. And that's why a Jew has to live a double life. What does it mean a double life? Spiritual and physical. Even though we're physical, we have to constantly be spiritual. In every detail of our physical existence, we have to have purpose to our life. Meaning. What are we doing? And that's what the Pasuk means. She planned the purchase of the field and she bought it. She didn't buy it with silver or gold. She bought it with her own life. She made the connection between heaven and earth. And he says, this, is, this was Sari Menu, the mother of the Jewish people. And this is the purpose of the Jewish people. To connect the physical world with the spiritual world. And that's why God gave us the Torah. Because it's the Torah and the mitzvahs that accomplishes this purpose. By doing mitzvahs and learning Torah, we feel the connection to the spiritual. And people see from the outside the connection to the spiritual. The Svas Emes brings the Midrash Rabbah, which brings the Pasuk at Tehillim that says, Hashem knows the days of the perfect. Their inheritance will be forever. And he explains, the Sadiq has the responsibility of piercing the Chitzonius. He has the responsibility of piercing through the external things in life, the way they appear, to get down to the deeper meaning and the inner reality and the presence of God even in the most simple things. 
He brings another passage from Mishli that says, Every clever person acts with knowledge, but the fool broadcasts his foolishness. In other words, both the Sadiq and the Kasil, both the righteous person and the foolish person, are both in a Lamazah. Everybody's in this world. Everybody has to eat. Everybody has to sleep. Everybody's busy doing things. But the difference is, is the Sadiq integrates the spiritual world into the physical world. And the opposite, the fool, separates the world. No, I'm in the physical world. What's the spiritual stuff? He's a fool. And that's why our life should be filled with mitzvahs. Every moment, every second, there's a shulchan ark. There's a law book telling us what to do, how to tie our shoes, how to put on our shoes, how to take off of our shoes, wash our hands, how we eat, how we dress, how we think, what we should feel. The Torah has every aspect of life taken care of, that we should take the mundane and make it spiritual. And this, in the end, if we do it, then we have the chibor, chevron, the connection to Shemayim. If we live the kafal life, the double life, the machpelah, will be zoche, we'll have the merit to go to the next world. And Sari Yemenu was the first of the Avos to pass away. And Avram used an opportunity to teach the world what life is really about. And since we all come from Sarah, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, we should all be zoche. We should all have the merit to live a life of spirituality that will take us to the next world. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. So the Magid Madubna brings a Pasuk from this week's Parsha. And Avram weighed out for Ephron the silver that he spoke in the hearing of the sons of Ches, B'nei Ches. 400 shekel negotiable currency. So the Pasuk is talking about Ephron, who was one of the B'nei Ches, who was being tough with Avram, he's being cheap with Avram, and he offered the cave of the Machpelah for a very tremendous price, 400 silver shekel. The Bereshi's Rabbah brings a Pasuk in Mishle that says like this, he who hastens to acquire wealth is a man with an evil eye. In other words, if you're always trying to cut money, it means you have an evil eye. And he does not know that want will come upon him. He doesn't understand that because of this quality of running after money, in the end, he's going to really be needy. The Midrash says this refers to Ephron. Because the Torah took the Vav from his name because he was being so cheap. In the end, he lost all of his blessings, became very poor. So I wanted to bring a mushroom like this. One time there was an old man, he was traveling around, and he had to stay somewhere. So he found the home of a simple villager, and he stayed there. When it came time to pay the host, so the normal man asked, how much do I have to pay? So he quoted him a price for the food and the lodging and everything, and he paid him and went on his way. He quickly forgot about this guy, and he went home. On another trip, the normal again had to travel, and he had to stay by a simple villager. So when he asked him, how much do I have to pay? He said, I would never take money for the honor of having a nobleman stay at my home. The very fact that you chose to stay under my roof is a great privilege for me. I don't ask for more. So what happened when the nobleman heard this? He gave him very expensive gifts, which was worth much, much more than he would have had to pay for staying by him. And not only that, he didn't forget this guy. He used to tell his friends about him. So he says the same thing with Ephraim. He was greedy. He was trying to cop the money right up front. So in the end, he didn't understand the Pesach from Mishle. They didn't know how much he was going to lose by being so greedy and having an eye in horror. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. 
In this week's parsh, we saw the Pasuk that said, I give the price of the field, accept it from me. Then I will bury my dead there. So we see that Avram Avinu paid a lot of money to have Sarah buried. So one time, Rev. Aaron Cutler sent Rev. Shach to go visit the Chavat Chaim. Why? A certain woman had died in America, and her family wanted her to be buried in Eretz Israel, and they were willing to pay a lot of money for it. However, one brother suggested, instead of doing that, instead of spending so much money to have her buried, why don't we bury her right here, and we'll take the money and we'll give it to Yeshiva. And it'll be a schus, a merit for her soul when the people learn. And they study it for her memory. So the family said they would agree, but only if the Chavetz Chaim himself said that that was the right thing to do. So they sent Rev. Aaron Cutler a telegram, and then Rev. Aaron Cutler sent Rev. Shach to go visit the Chavetz Chaim. So the Chavetz Chaim said like this, It's true that Avram Avinu paid 400 shekels, a huge sum for Sarah's burial place. But we can't learn halacha from this. Why? Because there's a rule. You can't learn halachas from what happened in the Torah before the giving of the Torah itself. Those are called Maisa Avos, but you can't learn halacha from it. So he continued and said, Ever since the Torah was given, the truth is that learning Torah is the highest merit that a person could have. It's top priority. But he said, don't send it back to them because they're not going to listen. They're under the false impression that a burial in Israel has greater significance. They won't listen to me. And since they won't listen to me, I'm going to remain silent. So Rav Shach decided at that point to go to Rav Chaim Ozer, the other God of Ador. And Rav Ozer said the same thing. But he agreed to send it to them. Tell them in my name, the Torah declares that supporting Torah study is greater importance than burial in Israel. So what happened? They sent a telegram back to the family. And exactly what the Chavetz Chaim said happened. They ignored Rav Chaim Ozer. We said, we don't believe him. The woman's children ignored the letter, and they sent the lady to be buried with all that money to be buried in Eretz Israel. So Rav Shach, many years later, when he wrote the introduction to the Abi Ezri, he quotes this from the Chavetz Chaim. He says, I heard explicitly from the mouth of the Chavetz Chaim that the study of Torah and its support are the most important values we have. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Rav Nachman Dynamite has a chapter here on how to fight. How should a couple fight? The fact is he says couples are going to fight. If any couple says they never had a fight, they're either lying or they have a very short memory. There's no problem with fighting. Your husband or your wife is allowed to think differently than you. They don't have to agree with everything you say. As long as you don't attack or insult each other. And he says, not only that, if you know how to fight, you'll wind up with a stronger relationship because you'll be able to work out all your differences. He says a couple who knows how to bridge the gap, stop fighting and resume the retune without harboring bad feelings will grow closer to each other. So he says, of course, one way not to fight is to have good meetos, or even in the fight to have good meetos. But what happens is right away, the good meetos, the good character goes out the window. As soon as you start fighting, everybody forgets about everything. So rule number one, keep it focused. What happens many times in a fight is people start to drag up the garbage from a year ago, six months ago, 10 years ago. They start to bring all the stuff into the fight as ammunition. But all it does is add fuel to the fire. And there's a temptation to do it because you're using it as a weapon. But do not do it. Focus on the argument on the fight you're having right now and deal with that only. That's rule number one. Rule number two, know how to finish. Once people start repeating things over and over again during the fight, and the words just get sharper and sharper, but they're really just saying the same thing. It's time to end the fight. He says, put away your pride and make peace. Don't continue the fight when it's going nowhere. Rule number three, no overnight fights. 
So most people would think, well, what's the big deal? One of them fell asleep. The fight ended, right? He says, it's not true. What happens is, even though we had a calm evening because one of them fell asleep, but still you can have to deal with the problem later. It's like you swept the dirt under the rug, but it's going to come up later and it might come up even in a more tense way. Better to stay awake and work at the fight the night before. What does it mean work it out? It means let's be friends. Okay, we disagree with each other, but we can still be friendly to each other. Each one can give half a smile to each other and then they can go to sleep. He says, let's talk this over seriously tomorrow. In the meantime, I apologize if I hurt you and I forgive you if you insulted me. Rule number four, keep your voices down. He tells a story of a Knesset member that always used to go up and speak with notes. So everybody thought that the notes were to help him in the speech. He says the notes really were just to tell the guy when to raise his voice. He says, raise your voice here because the argument is not convincing. He says, usually the one who's screaming is the one who has a weaker argument. And he says, another reason we raise our voices is to interrupt the other one. But that just keeps growing geometrically. At certain point, both guys are just screaming at each other. So that's not going to help. You should try to speak calmly. He said, a woman once told my mother-in-law, you know that I often feel like fighting with my husband, but I just refuse to give my neighbors the satisfaction. So speak softly in order to stay in control. And rule number five is to analyze together what happened after the fight. So you'll realize, what, what were we fighting about? What a stupid thing. Why we made such a big deal about it? The next time you'll be too embarrassed to fight. And discussing and analyzing will help you go forward. He says, but you have to be careful with this because the fight could start up again. But in a healthy marriage, a spark should not turn into a full-fledged fire. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share with your friends and please leave comments. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 